as we say, Jesus, Jesus, we lift your name on high, your name on high, we lift it high. Jesus, Jesus, we lift your name on high, your name on high, we Jesus, your name, Jesus, your name, be glorified, be glorified, be lifted high.
Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. Amen. In the last seven words of Christ, uh, while he was upon the cross, the first uh, word that he gave was from Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Tonight we reflect on a powerful and sometimes overlooked verse from Luke 23, 34, where Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. These words were spoken by Jesus while he was on the cross as he was being crucified by his own people. Despite the excruciating pain he was experiencing, his heart was still filled with love and compassion for those who were causing him wrong. In this single sentence, Jesus teaches us about the power of forgiveness. He was able to forgive those who were hurting him because he understood that they did not know uh, what they were doing. They were acting out of, relig uh, out of ignorance and, and they had the approval of the religious authorities. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8 says, None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Jesus' prayer for forgiveness was a plea to the Father to show mercy on those who were inflicting pain upon him. Jesus' example of forgiveness is something we can all learn from. Many of us hold grudges against people who have hurt us in the past. And we find it difficult to let go of the hurt and the anger that we feel. By forgiving those who have hurt us, we're able to release ourselves from the negative emotions that keep us trapped. Forgiveness is not about excusing the behavior of others, no. But rather about choosing to let go of the pain that we carry. Amen. Can somebody, oh, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. It's important to note that forgiveness is not always easy. It can be a long and difficult process, and it may require us to confront the hurt and pain we have experienced. By doing so, we can begin to heal and move forward. Jesus' example of forgiveness teaches us that it is possible to forgive, even in the most difficult circumstances. I think it should be noted that Christ forgave in the midst of the crucifixion. Amen. Not putting it off as we sometimes do. When we delay forgiveness, we allow roots of bitterness to get a firm grip on our soul, which complicates the process of forgiveness. Forgiveness is also a central theme in Christianity. Through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we are offered forgiveness for our sins, and we are called to follow Jesus' example and extend that forgiveness to others. As we reflect on Luke 23, 34, let us remember that forgiveness is a powerful act of love that can transform our lives and the lives of those around us. In conclusion, Jesus' prayer for forgiveness in Luke 23 reminds us of the power of forgiveness. It is not always easy, but it is necessary for our, our own healing and growth. By forgiving those who have hurt us, we're able to release ourselves from the pain we carry. May we all strive to follow Jesus' example 
of forgiveness and extend that same mercy to those around us. Praise the Lord.
I'm glad that it goes to the lowest valley. You know why I'm glad that it goes to the lowest valley? Because I know what it's like to be in the valley. Has anybody ever been in the valley so low you don't know how to get out? I've come to tell you that there's no place and no spot on the earth that you could go. Jonah said this. He says, down in the belly of hell I cried, and you heard me. How many know no matter where you are, God can hear you right now? If you hear me online or you're in this building, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It not only reaches to the highest mountain, but it flows through the lowest valley. If you're at the lowest of the lowest, the blood will never lose its power. Hallelujah. I know we have speakers, but, but just for a moment, can you lift your hands and give glory to God and thank him for his blood, thank him for his goodness, thank him for his kindness, thank him for his mercy, thank him for his peace, thank him for his strength, thank him for his redemption. Oh God, we give you praise right now in the name of Jesus. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We give you the glory, Lord Jesus, in this place. Hallelujah. Be pleased with us in this place and we give you glory and praise in the name, that name above every name, that name that demons triple at, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Will you give God some praise today? For about 30 seconds, just give God some praise and take the roof off of this place. Begin to bless his name. Begin to lift him up. Begin to give him glory. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Rose, I'm, I'm from down south, and you know, they say from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same sun, he's worthy to be prayed. Does anybody know God is worthy to be prayed? Come on and give God some glory. Come on, Zach, God is worthy. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, go ahead and bless him in the place. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I came to have church today. Hallelujah. 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 All right. All right. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All righty. So, hey, folks. So, I'm Zach, obviously. So, for those of you who don't know me, but I'm really glad you gave me this passage today because it's perfect for me. The reasoning is when, peop when people who've never met me and they ask me, hey, what's my – and I, they ask me, how's my day going? And I go, it's another day in paradise. And sometimes people ask me, why? Why is that? And – Really, God just allows me to just traverse this earth. He allows me to see everything and meet the people I get to see. I'm blessed to meet Pastor Bear and everybody in this church. Now, how does this relate, you know? How does this relate? When Jesus was on the cross, he was surrounded by criminals on either side of him. He had both on either side. And one of, the, one of them had asked Jesus to remember him. When he arrives in the kingdom of God, hallelujah. And when he asked that question to Jesus, Jesus replies, Today, 
thou shalt witness in paradise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, think about it a little bit. Why would Jesus say that to a, to a couple of criminals who are sitting there also on the cross who have already admitted that he does not belong there? He, it's the love in his heart and the amount of forgiveness that he has for everyone and everybody who has that ability to, to become a new, a better person. For me, no matter what kind of lifestyle you live, no matter how you got knocked off the road to greatness, maybe, maybe you like to gamble, maybe you're a little promiscuous, or maybe you struggle with drugs, something, anything, or maybe you're that crazy guy who's sticking up the news headlines that you read about in, in the days. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Or maybe you're really struggling and you're trying to just hide it and you can't do it anymore and you're just Hallelujah. looking for that little push, that help, that word just to get you through, to help you become better. And oh, God, is, God has got somebody. If there's anyone, anyone you know that is struggling, that they just can't take it anymore, They're, they can't, they can't hide the lies, they can't deal with the sinful behavior, they know it's not good for them, and they're looking for a change, they need that push. God is there; He's always there. It does not matter where you've gone. <sighs> oh. If you could. And if you come to Jesus Christ willingly with a heart of repentance, he will respond every time. It does not matter where you are. Amen. He will always respond. You can get over that hump of existential dread and you can become a new, born anew, greater person than you ever thought you could have been before. You can become a new, happier person. Anything you can imagine the greatest version of yourself. <sighs> Sometimes we all just need a little bit of that outside encouragement, that little push, the words in your head to tell you, you can do this. You know it's in your best interest. And the way it is, is nowadays, it's a hard push. You, you really need to just go out and do it because oh, it's just real so good inside. <laughs> full heart of repentance, he will absolve us of all of our past sins and will be born anew and welcome into his kingdom with open arms. And today I say, thou shall be with me in paradise. Thank you all.
Amen. Hey, family. Good to see everybody. We love you guys. Met somebody for the first time tonight a few times. Praise God. You know what they say, never give a pastor a microphone for seven minutes. <laughs> Anyhow, tonight we're celebrating uh, Good Friday, Passover. The Friday before Easter Sunday on which the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior is commemorated in the Christian church. It is traditionally a day of what? Fasting and penance. Traditionally. The redemption from the bondage of sin through the sacrifice of Christ is celebrated, a parallel of the Jewish Passover, celebration of redemption from bondage in Egypt. You remember that story. Uh, children of Israel were in bondage to Egypt, to the Pharaoh, and God sent Moses, said, let them go. And he sent plague after plague. The Pharaoh hardened his heart. And finally, Egypt says, okay. God said, okay, this is it. And he told the Israelites, like he does us a lot in a lot of situations, go in and put the blood over the doorpost. You notice he didn't say who is everybody that's in that room, but everybody in that room under that blood was spared. The angel of death come along and struck the firstborn of Pharaoh. Again, we're talking about a celebration of 
the celebration of, of the Lord. In Matthew 27, verse uh, 27 and 31, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium, whatever that was, and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they kneeled down before him and mocked him. And there's a lot of that going on nowadays with the church. Mocked him and began to hit him on the head with that reed. And after they had mocked him, they took his robe off and put his garments on him. And they led him away and crucified him for every one of us here tonight. Die on a cross to shed his blood for all of us. If you're like me, you can say, I don't think I deserve that. <laughs> but he was faithful. First Peter two twenty four. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds we were healed. Sometimes I think the church forgets the part that says that we might die to sin. Sometimes that becomes a slow process in all of our lives. And thank God we have a patient, loving Savior, Jesus. He gives us extra time sometimes that we really need. Amen? And again, in Isaiah 53, beginning of verse 4, Surely our griefs he himself bore. Thank God he did, huh? And our sorrows he carried. It says, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. By his stripes, we're healed. Do we get that, folks? Sometimes we forget that Jesus has that ability for us. By his stripes, we were healed. Take that, devil. Whatever you're fighting, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Who's ever gone astray? <laughs> but it says, each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord, what? Caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Jesus on that cross. So much happened that day on that cross for eternity. Amen? Yeah, thank the Lord for that one. You go over to John chapter 19. Beginning of verse 25. Therefore the soldiers did these things, the things they were doing to Jesus. But they were standing by the cross of Jesus at that time, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. There's an example of church family right there. Well, we learn how to love each other and care for each other like that. And here Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's looking down and says, Behold your son, behold your mother. He says that to all of us. Behold your sister and brother. Behold that person that needs your help. We got a prime example tonight in our church here. We got a call. Pastor got a call. And Sister Robin about a lady, a member who had fallen at home, hit her head, I guess. The first thing Robin did is grab her coat. I said, where are you going? She said, I'm going over to take care of that sister. That's church family. 
That's what he's saying to us. When we learn how to care for one another, even like the world does, Jesus is faithful to help us to do that. I was a chaplain for a biker group for 12 years. Tough guys. And I was in every outlaw clubhouse you can think of. But one thing, they respected a person who came in the authority of Jesus. And they would let me in. I had dinner with them. They'd let me into their clubhouses. And the key is you need to leave there by about 9 o'clock. No guarantees after 9 p.m. But anyway, uh, that's what I'm saying tonight. God, we're all family here. Look at this family we have. Thank God for this family. Sister Whitehead, the other pastor that's here, the brother on the bass guitar. Thank you, Jesus. That's our brothers and sisters. Amen. So I believe he wants the church to wake up a little bit and dig a little deeper into caring for one another. And the Lord will take care of the pastor and give him what he's supposed to say to us. But uh, that's what was on my heart tonight, especially the part about him hanging on the cross and looking down and saying, woman, behold your son. That is so important. Crying out to the church now saying, church, behold your family. Behold your brother. Behold your sister. Learn how to love one another and fight for each other. Another thing that's true is uh, God says, it's a good example, never eat pizza before you go to church. <laughs> My stomach was making noises. I heard the woods once. Anyway, God bless, God bless everybody. <laughs> Yeah.
good of all you accomplished for me, and that I have come to fulfill. And I, for one, am amazed that in three short years, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, fulfilled every prophecy written about him. At 12 years old, only 12 years old, Mother and father thought that he had wandered off and got lost. And when they found him in the temple sleeping with the uh, the elders, he said, "Didn't you? Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be on my father's business?" When he became of age, we see him coming. John the Baptist to be baptized by him. And John the Baptist looked at him and said, you got this wrong. I need to be baptized by you. Jesus said, let it be so now, for it is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. When you read the Gospels, you will find across uh, the passages in the ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that read like this, that it may be fulfilled that, for instance, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took upon himself our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He came to fulfill everything that was written about him. And so from the time that Jesus entered into the temple and declared himself the Messiah all the way to the Garden of, uh, of, of Gethsemane, Jesus fulfilled every prophecy, including the one where he hung on the cross While in the garden, the soldiers that came to him asked him, he asked the soldiers, he said, whom do you seek? And the soldiers said, Jesus of Nazareth. Judas was there with them. He had left them. And the Bible says, I am he. And when he said that, the word of God tells us that the soldiers reared backwards and fell. looking for me, well, here I am. And if I, if, if, and if you're looking for me, then you haven't let me go. But when he speaks to his disciples who were with him in the garden, again, why did he say that? Well, you guess he fulfilled prophecy because it's written that he himself prayed to the Father. He said, from those that you gave me, chapter 17 of Matthew. After he endured the physical abuse at the hands 
of the soldiers, and later the stripes on his back. We see Jesus hung on the cross, which he had carried to the top of a hill called Golgotha. As the hour drew nigh, and him being totally exhausted from all the suffering, the Bible tells us that after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. And in order for one more scripture to be fulfilled before he died, Customary that when they crucified somebody, they were all, they would always wear uh, a mixture of vinegar and gall, which served uh, as a uh, painkiller. It would gall your senses, and in, in turn gall. tells us he would not drink it. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ suffered all the way and did not want his pain to be eased or lessened in any form or fashion. Mark tells us he received a knock. The Apostle John vinegar, and when it was offered to Jesus, he tasted it first, which is like a gall mixture, a painkiller, and then the Bible tells us he drank it. In conclusion, outside of the physical exhaustion, as Jesus agonized on the cross, his high thirst statement signifies his dying.
remember when I was a kid, wasn't saved, knew a little bit about God, but not much. About 15, 14 years old, and I was walking up our street. It was Good Friday. It was almost 3 o'clock, and it was dark. I mean, it was dark. And the thought came to me, there's something about the Bible that says this, that it got really dark. I'm going to be reading from Matthew 27:46. At this time, I believe the church needs a real the church needs a real picture of Jesus Christ on that cross. Amen. He Amen. was beaten. He was beaten like a dog. He was beaten so face you can't even recognize his face. That he talked was a miracle. His body ripped, the blood flowing. It was a terrible, terrible thing. But Jesus hung in there. He hung in there. His supporters, gone. Hit the bricks and not coming back. John stayed. His mother stayed. Judas killed himself. The rest were gone. But Jesus held on to the course. As bloody as he was, as ripped as he was, I want you to get a picture of this. Imagine somebody, imagine if it was your child, if it was your spouse. Beat him and beat him till he just about died. But he still stayed the course because he knew who his father was. And it says about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out. That would be Jewish time. It would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. People were going around doing normal business, but all eyes from heaven were on that cross. Because if Jesus Christ ever said, I've had enough of this stuff, them angels, I believe their swords were drawn and ready. They were ready. They only listened to one command, and that's God. And if he said, that's enough, them angels would have pulled their swords, and it would have been it for mankind. But thank God, Jesus stayed the course. Thank you, Jesus. He stayed the course. I, I, I tell you, I'm not worthy to be here. I'm not worthy to be here for what God has done for me. It's very humbling. Gave me a beautiful wife that I didn't deserve right over there. I didn't deserve that wife, but God gave me to her. And I thank God for that. Didn't deserve the church I'm in or the friends that I met. But God, but God, but he paid a price. And I think the church today needs to see the price he paid. The church today needs to revisit what he did on the cross. The church today needs to tell people what he did on the cross. He shed everything, everything. But he did not waver. And it says he cried out with a loud voice. That he was able to cry out at all is amazing. From the beating he received. And there was no getting out of it. He was going to die. There's no repeal. There's no governor or whoever is going to say, uh, we're going to let him go. This was it. And he knew it. Thank God for the, the guy on the right. Because he is going to go with Jesus. He don't know. He made the second, two-second decision that brought him into paradise. And with a loud voice. And please have mercy on me as I pronounce this. Eli, Eli, Lama, Shabana. That is, 
My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? Wow. Wow. Sane thought, I got him. He's done. God said, yes, sir. Until after 3 o'clock and see what happens. And as we look at that, as the church looks at that, may it fall to its knees and say, thank you, God, you did it for me. You did it for me. What God did was, he can't look at sin. He turned his back on sin. He didn't turn his back on Jesus. He turned back on the sin that was on him besides that beating, the filth. The filth of the sin, the filth from me, the filth from you, the filth from the churches. That we can look and say, oh, my God, my God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Let's rise up, church. Let's tell the people about the love of Jesus Christ. I happen to try every day to almost, God, remember what you told me? If I go out there, I'll witness. And he opens the door and I open my mouth. I could care less what the people think. They want to kick me out, that's fine. I know other places to go. But I will not stop telling about the love of Jesus. I will not stop telling about the love of Christ. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because you, Father, are the one that went to that cross. And I thank you for that. And I give the rest of time to you, Father, that we may worship you. Thank you.
Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop never stop working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are says, wake maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, and light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Help me sing that church. He's a way maker, way maker, miracle worker, oh Lord, promise keeper, yes he is, light in the darkness, somebody give him praise, my God. If that is what it is to you, somebody lift your hands and say, Waymaker. Yes, he is, Lord. Waymaker, miracle word. Oh, Lord. In the darkness, my God, your God, is who you are. Tell him one more time, he's a waymaker. Yes, he is. Oh, Lord. Has he done any miracles in your life? Somebody give my wave on him. Yes, he is. My God. I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm feeling that. Somebody sing Waymaker. Oh, Lord. Waymaker. Oh, Lord. He's kept every single promise. He'll never let you down. No, we will not let you down. That is who you are. He's a Waymaker. Oh, Lord. Come on, ladies, let me hear you sing. Call him what he is, ladies, way.
Somebody give him praise. If he's a way maker, thank you, Lord. Lord, you're worthy. I probably used up most of my time, so Pastor Barry probably won't invite me back. But God is still good, amen. God is still good. Just want to give honor to God, honor to the man of the house and the first lady. Let's give them a hand clap for their awesome job they're doing. Thank you, Lord. My lovely pastor, Pastor Whitehill, as a man, I guess I could say my handsome elder right here, Elder Whitehill, and my deacon in the back. Anybody from Greenfield in the building? Amen, amen. We just thank you. Thank you for the invite, Pastor. We appreciate you. I just want to come with a few words this evening concerning the final words Jesus gave when he gave up the ghost or took his last natural breath on the human side of his few years on earth. It says, I have it here. Thank you, Lord. When, Je when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. In the Greek, the three-word phrase is translated to tetelestai. It comes from the verb teleo, which means bring to an end. To complete, to accomplish, to finish. I want to talk about the significance of finishing. It signifies the successful end to a particular course of action. It would be the word you would use when you turn in your last payment on your truck note. It is the last page you write in your thesis when you're preparing to finish for your master's degree. Pastor Bobby, it's that last scoop of ice cream in the freezer where you got that last good scoop out. And then I'm done with this box, throw it in the garbage. It's any of us who have attended high school. We started in ninth grade. Usually you would meet with a counselor and they would give you a checklist of things you need to accomplish or complete before you graduate from high school. Any witnesses out there? Church, it means that I had a task. I had a course of action, but I have now finalized my commitment. And now I can close the book. Now I have finished what I set out to do. Now please understand word usage. Jesus did not say, I was finished. He said, come on church. If he would have said, I am finished, one would say that he died defeated and exhausted. Rather, he cried out, it is finished. Come on now. Meaning, I have successfully completed the work that I came to do. So church, this lets us know that when he died, he left no unfinished business behind. When he said it is finished, he was speaking the truth. But one must understand the verb itself. Tetelestai says is in the perfect tense in the Greek. That's significant 
because the perfect tense speaks of an action which has been completed in the past with results continuing into the present. <laughs> it's different from the past tense which looks back to an event and says that happened or this happened. This is the perfect tense, tense which adds the idea that this happened and is still in effect today. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant it is finished in the past, it is still finished in the present, and it will remain finished in the future. Jesus. The Greek had the mindset that little is much. It is finished is but one word in the original wrapped up in the gospel of God. And that word, it contained the ground of that the believer's assurance. And that word is discovered the sum of all joy and the very spirit of consolation. It is finished is not the despairing cry of a helpless martyr when he went to the cross. It was not the expression of satisfaction that, whew, the termination of his sufferings was now reached. It was not the gas of a worn out life. No, but rather the declaration on the part of the divine redeemer that all for which he came from heaven to earth to do was now finished. That all that was needed to reveal the full character of God had now been accomplished. That all that was required by law before sinners could now be saved had now been performed. That the frail price of our redemption was now paid. Thank you, Lord. The great purpose of God in the history of man was now accomplished. From the beginning, God's purpose has always been one and indivisible. The purpose of God, I'm coming down shortly, may be summarized this way, to display his grace and to magnify his son in the creating of children in his own image and glory and of the cross. The foundation was laid, which was to make this possible and actual. We can go back through his action plan where he, Jesus, had a plethora of tasks that needed to be completed before he could say it is finished. Go along with me on this trip, church. Some were the water to wine. The woman with the issue of blood. Help me out, church. Mm. The leper cleansed. The lame man was able to walk. The blind man able to. All right. Lazarus, come. So that means there was a. All right. Our Lord bearing the sins on the cross for each and every one of us so that we would have the sacrifice he'd be the perfect sacrifice no more animals church he was the perfect sacrifice our lord and savior jesus christ <laughs> father all of my tasks have been completed it is finished god bless <laughs>
doors fling wide. I see glory as I run inside the throne room before you. knows and he jumps to it. Thank you. Y'all give him a hand. I'm, to give our guys a hand. Amen. I won't belabor the hour. A very familiar passage of scripture. I want you to help me preach this thing. I'm not going to be long. I'm, I'm going to be out of here. It says in Luke chapter 23 verse 46 it says this in the ESV. It says Jesus called out with a loud voice. Father. Somebody said Father. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. I want you to help me preach. Somebody say, Lord, I'm in your hands. <laughs> Lord, I'm in your hands. Give God a hand clap of praise in the building. It's, it's late. 
Well, I, I come from down in, in central Mississippi. They used to sing these things called Dr. Watts hymns. And Dr. Watts hymns were from slavery. And they were call and row, and, and w which means that somebody would call out a response. And somebody else would, go, would, would start to sing it out because that's what they did back in the fields of Mississippi. I grew up in the middle of a cotton field. And there'd be mothers on the street and on the floor. Brother Denny knows what I'm talking about. And every now and then, there would be a mother that says, it's getting late in the evening. <laughs> and the sun's going down It's getting late in the evening And the sun's going down Anybody ever remember those old hymns? <laughs> That's where we are in this story It's, it's late in the evening We've gone through the seven last sayings of Jesus and God doesn't do anything by accident for we know that the number seven is the number of maturation, that seven is the number of completeness or completion and that Jesus is fulfilling every prophecy, over 400 prophecies that was given by him. And even in this scene, if you will picture this scene, we see our Lord bloody and we see our Lord beaten and we see our Lord despised. Isaiah said he was despised and rejected, acquainted with grief. We see him irrecognizable, beaten within an inch of his life. We see him calling out all the last sayings in the stations of the cross, one by one by one. And there are people that are walking by him and they are looking at him as if he is defeated. <laughs> because if you're looking right then and don't have the benefit of hindsight and you see this king on a cross being mocked, I can hear them saying, look at him. He, he saved others, but he could not save himself. <laughs> can you imagine being Jesus? It's one thing to suffer, but I know I've had some friends in my life that will go with me through thick and thin, but what do you do when everybody's turned their back on you? <laughs> what do you do when those who have followed you and been with you for year after year, three long years and saying I will die with you and let it not be Lord and you look around and you can see them saying I never knew the man I don't know who he is can you feel can you feel me how that feels to know that you've healed the sick and you've raised the dead and you've laid hands on people and you've opened as Stephen said blinded eyes and you look around and other than your mother and John there's nobody to be found has anybody ever found yourself in a place where you are all alone by yourself and people are quick to be with you when things are up, but you'll be hard pressed to find people when things are going bad, when things are down, when you're down to your lowest and you don't know which way is up. And here it is, Jesus, that is hung on the cross for six long hours. Beaten so bad. I don't know if you know how bad he's beaten, but most people on the cross last anywhere from six hours to four days that they could lay agonizing on the cross. But they've beaten Jesus so bad that he is literally asphyxiating. He is drowning in his own fluids, in his, in his lungs. And I want you to get this picture that Jesus is beaten within an inch of his life. And the Romans have taken a cat of nine tails and they have 
ripped the flesh from his body and he cannot breathe and his back is raw and beaten and blooded and the only way that Jesus can breathe is to step on the step beneath and on his bloody and beaten back with a non-smooth wooden cross begin to pull himself up every now and then just to get a breath. I'm glad he pulled up that breath because he was pulling it up for you and he was pulling it up for me and he was pulling it up for those who are not yet here yet. He was beaten, despised, rejected, and all alone. <laughs> we hear his state of mind when he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Why, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? If you're looking from the outside in, it looks like death is about to win. If you look from the outside in, it looks like all is lost. If you're looking from the outside in, it looks like everything Jesus done has done, he's done it for naught. But what Jesus is really doing is giving us an object lesson. Jesus is teaching us how to suffer. We don't, we don't do that much in church. We don't talk about suffering like we need to in the church. But the Bible says that those that will live godly must suffer persecution. Jesus is teaching us something. He's teaching us an object lesson that even when he's at his lowest and nobody's around but John and his mother, when he's being beaten and spit on and they're gambling for his role, he wants you to know this lesson. And I stopped to let you know this. He uses a word into your hands. I commit uh, my spirit. A word in the Greek, parathetomai. And what it means is to literally to entrust or to give and what he's letting you know I want you to get this if you don't get anything else that no matter where you are in your life Jesus is saying that even in my darkest hour I can still count on God <laughs> I mean, somebody needs to shout right there even in my darkest moment I can still entrust my life to God it looks bad right now it looks painful right now I feel my lungs filling with fluid right now I feel my body hurting and racking in pain I feel embarrassed they stripped me of all my clothes they put me out in front of my mother but stark naked and they are embarrassing me they are spitting on me but even in the midst of it all even though it looks like I'm gonna lose I'm gonna win hallelujah <laughs> These words mark a very significant thing because Jesus is watching the guard of the old covenant. And as he begins to utter these words, he's ushering out the old covenant. Yeah. And he's ushering in the new. Jesus is not saying that I've lost. It may have looked like death had won. It may have looked like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes had won. It may have looked like Rome was run. But what he's saying is, God, I'm not worried about it. Daddy, I'm not worried about it. In your hands, I put my trust. <laughs> what am I telling you? And some of us right now, even in our darkest hours, we've been in low, low places. We've been in places of depression. We've been in places of despair. We've been in places of condemnation. We've been in places of guilt. We've been in places of suffering. But I'm going to go ahead and let you in on Sunday morning sermon. I can hear Paul giving a sweet soliloquy. He says this, but thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
So if anything, I want to let you know this today. It doesn't matter if you don't have any money left, but you still got months left. It doesn't matter if the doctor's giving you a bad report. It doesn't matter if your friends have walked off and left you. It doesn't matter if they hang your, hang your name up and down the highway. It doesn't matter if what they say behind your back is a lie. It doesn't even matter if it's true. All you have to do is look up to heaven and say, Lord, I'm in your hands. I'm in your care. I'm in your hands. Can you give God a praise? Hallelujah. 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 I wonder if there's anybody in here who has a praise in their spirit that said, despite what I'm going through, Lord, I'm in your hands. You might have trouble in your home or in your marriage, and it may not look like you're going to make it out. But all you have to do simply say is, Lord, I'm in your hands. <laughs> they said you're in good hands with all state, but I tell you, you're in better hands with Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody give God glory in this place. Somebody take the roof off of this place and praise God for the things that he's worked out and the things that he's going to work out. Somebody say, I'm in your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, I'm in your hands. I'm in your hands. God has given you victory over the enemy. And I like this last fact, Brother Lonnie. I get tired after a few minutes. <laughs> Brother Lonnie goes to the gym with me. He knows I get tired after a few minutes. It doesn't take very long. But somewhere down on the inside, Jesus, after he's been beaten, after he's been despised and rejected, after he's been spit on, after he shouldn't have any energy left, he doesn't just cry. He doesn't just whimper. We don't serve a whippy God, but we serve a man's man, um, a man who walked into the temple and he didn't say, excuse me, would you move it? But he said, I'll be back. I'm going to get a whip. I'll be back. And he whipped the temple out and they didn't bother him and he kept going. What kind of man is this that whips the temple and nobody seems to bother? him. He's a man's man and he's down to his last but somewhere on the inside the Bible said he didn't just cry. He didn't just whimper but the Bible says with a loud voice he cried victory into your hands. I commit my spirit. Why am I telling you this? Because somebody came in here on your last leg and I'm going to give you a word today. No matter what you're going through, if you want God to fix it, I want you when I count to three with a loud voice to give God God, some praise. One, two, three. Give him some praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on and praise him. Come on and lift him up. Come on and magnify. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. 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 Come on and praise him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Worship the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Oh God, we thank you. <laughs> Lord, we love you. <laughs> Lord, we love you. 
Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you worship him for the victory? Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to open this altar now for anybody that needs something from God. Hallelujah. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. Prayer time, prayer team. Lord, we need you, pastors. Lord, we need you. Hallelujah, pastor. Why here? Lord, we need. If you need something for God, you can come get it today. Lord, we need.